chapter 65, beginning at verse 17. Look, I am creating a new heaven and a new earth. Past events won't be remembered. They won't come to mind. Be glad and rejoice forever in what I am creating, because I am creating Jerusalem as a joy and her people as a source of gladness. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad about my people. No one will ever hear the sound of weeping or crying in it again. No more will babies live only a few days or the old fall, fail to live out their days. The one who dies at a hundred will be like a young person and the one failing, falling short of a hundred will seem cursed. They will build houses and live in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They won't build for others to live in, nor plant for others to eat. Like the days of a tree will be the days of my people. My chosen will make full use of their handiwork. They won't labor in vain, nor bear children to a world of horrors, because they will be people blessed by the Lord. They alongside their descendants. Before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear. Wolf and lamb will graze together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox, but the snake, its food will be dust. They won't hurt or destroy at any place on my holy mountain, says the Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, choir. What a, a powerful witness. This morning we have heard both sung and read in Scripture. I love that verse. When sorrow like sea billows roll, thou hast taught me to say, it is well with my soul. That is the good news for us this morning, that by God's grace we are people who can choose joy. I've been a part of a program recently because I like to keep learning. I think a lot of people in the church like to keep learning. It's as though we could read scripture forever and still learn something new, and I've never found a book or anything about the church or God that hasn't taught me something new. Well, recently, as a part of the program I'm in through a group called the Missional Wisdom Foundation, we were reading a book called What Kind of God with the subtitle Reading Scripture in a Missional Church which is a really mouthy way to say that the book is about how when we read Scripture, it reminds us that the work of Scripture is to go out and do in the world. So when we read it, we should be listening for what it's telling us to go and do, not just sit and hear. And as I was reading this book by a very intelligent man, Brett Wells, who likes to use big words, he used a big word I had not come across before. Now, I've seen a lot of weird Hebrew and Greek words, not that I know what they mean without someone translating it for me, and I've seen a lot of crazy words we use when we're studying Scripture, but this one is not one of those words. This one actually comes from people who work in technology, specifically people who work with website development or blogging. And it's a word that's actually an acronym. It's called WYSIWYG, and I'm going to get them to put it on the screen for you so you can see how it's spelled. You'll see it's an acronym because that doesn't look like a word. W-Y-S-I-W-Y-G, WYSIWYG. What you see is what you get. 
So apparently, if you are well-versed in WYSIWYG and you work on computers, you will know that this means that you can open a uh, program for blogs or for website development, and it's going to look like a word processor. So if you hit Control-B, your letters are going to turn bold. And if you hit Control-I, they're going to be italics, Control-U, underline. And what you see on that screen is going to be what shows up on the blog or the web page. What you see there is what you will get. Makes sense, right? Now, I've always heard this word, WYSIWYG, or what you see is what you'll get in a different way. How many of you have ever been to a garage sale or gone to look at a used vehicle? Sometimes this applies to houses. And someone says, what you see is what you get, which means as is. I think my sister might have said that to my future husband before he got married. What you see is what you get. No returns, no refunds. <laughs> But there's one more way to think of it, and this is, this is what uh, Brett Wells was saying in this book. Sometimes we can also hear WYSIWYG, especially in the life of faith, as what you see is what you'll get. In other words, what you are looking for is what you will find. Have you ever found that to be true in your own life? What you're looking for is exactly what shows up, for better or worse. That means if you are looking for today to be sunny and beautiful and the best Sunday you've ever had, you will probably have a really great Sunday. Now, if you woke up and you overslept, your alarm didn't go off, you were rushed out the door and you're just not feeling it, maybe the kids were crying on the way over here or you stubbed your toe and today's going to be horrible, guess what? What you imagine today will be like might actually be what today is going to turn out to be like. Because so often as human beings... What we see is what we get. And that's actually exactly what's happening in the scripture this morning. I want to take it and set it outside of the context we often hear it in. This beautiful verse where the prophet Isaiah speaks the word of the Lord that says that there will be a new heaven. There will be a new earth. There will be no more sorrow or weeping. People will live well into their hundreds, it says. Because God has found favor with the people of Israel. They will be people of joy. It sounds like utopia, doesn't it? It sounds like what we've always hoped for. It sounds like what we talk about is something that will come in the distant time in the future when Christ returns. But to really understand what the prophet Isaiah is sharing from God in this morning's scripture, which is the second to last chapter in the book of Isaiah, you kind of have to understand all that has come before. You see, the book of Isaiah is not the book or the story of one generation of the people of Israel. It's multiple generations. And it all begins when the prophet Isaiah is sent to tell the people to stop it. Now, I told the early service, this arc of this story reminds me of raising children. So if you've ever raised a child, your own, someone in your community, you know how hard it is to get them from little to mature adult. And you know that you spend a lot of time saying, I am telling you, do not jump on the couch. And then you spend some time saying, you're jumping on the couch, you're going to hurt yourself. And then the kid falls off the couch, and you spend more time holding them and comforting him and saying, I told you not to jump on the couch because you were going to bust your head open, and you just did the exact thing I said. That's kind of a really, really brief, uh, hopefully not heretical, overview of the book of Isaiah. Isaiah goes in and says to the people, please stop doing that, and the people do it. And he says, please, please, God is really not happy. Please don't do that. Bad things are going to happen. You're going to have consequences. That's where we like to use my house, consequences. 
And then they get consequences. They're overthrown by a neighboring nation. They're taken into exile. The temple where they believe God lives is destroyed. And so they, along with it, feel very destroyed. And there is a whole generation that lives in exile. Well, when we get to today's scripture, this is actually words spoken not to the people who are in exile, but the generation that's returned to do the job of rebuilding, to re-envision life now that God has brought them back to their land. The only problem is, this generation has never lived in the land of God. They've never lived in a land where they weren't slaves, oppressed, suffered injustice. And so when they get back to the place they've been longing to be, they really can't see things any other way than the way they've been seeing them. They keep finding the same problems, and they're like, God, this isn't a whole lot better. And so into that space, God speaks these words of a new heaven and a new earth to remind the people that there's a different way to see what's happening around them. About eight years ago, I had one of those years. I don't know if you've ever had one of these years. It was one of those years where bad thing upon bad thing upon bad thing happened. It was like there was a wave in my life of bad news. It was literally when it rains, it pours. I probably said that a million times in that year. I had a beloved family member have a diagnosis of a terminal illness. My sister went through a difficult period. I had problems with my own health, and I thought, Lord, what have we done? What have we done to offend you that you would inflict all of this upon us? And I started to think it will never, ever, ever get better. Well, about this time in that particular year, around the holidays, I started to see the light at the end of the tunnel, or I thought so. Because I would tell myself on a daily basis, this has just been a bad year. Next year will be better. Have you ever said that to yourself? This has just been a bad year. This has just been a bad day. Tomorrow will be better. Next week will be better. Next month will be better. Well, wouldn't you know, I got to the next year, and I promise you, it kicked off with more bad news. And I was like, really? Really? But you know, in retrospect, I can look back on that time and honestly tell you it wasn't all bad. Now, in the middle of it, I would have told you it was rotten. Every single thing that happened was rotten. But looking back on it, I can see that good things did happen in the course of that year. But at the time, because I expected everything to be bad, all I could find was bad news. But looking back, I can see glimpses of good news, the way community gathered around us, the prayers that were held over us. I can see even the way the issues I had with my own faith and my own health have come to help me speak to others in those same situations. But at that time, because I thought everything was bad, everything was bad. Have you ever had this happen? There's a wonderful little book we like to read to our little people in our house that's about this very thing. It's called Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. If you've ever read this, you know that that phrase is repeated over and over again by this little boy, Alexander, who has just had a rotten day. It starts out with the cereal not having a toy in it, and he steps in gum, and he doesn't get the color shoes he wants, and it's just a bad day. And at the very end of the book, he says he thinks he wants to move to Australia. (laughs) That's his refrain. It's a bad day, and I'm going to move to Australia. But it turns out that not everything in that day is bad. But but you can see where Alexander is coming from. And when we read this to our own children, they're like, oh, yeah, I've had days like that, right? Where you've decided it's going to be bad, and everything 
is bad because it's a very bad, terrible, horrible, no good day. It's bad. You know, we can do that in our faith life as well. Sometimes we can show up to places and decide what they're going to be before anything ever happens. Sometimes we can show up to life and decide that it will have conflict, it will be a disappointment, it's not going to go our way. We're never, okay, parents, you ever say this? We're never going to sleep again. I say that at least weekly. We've already decided what life will be before life even gets a chance to be that. And into those places and spaces in our lives, we need those people who will come alongside us and help us see a different vision. I know I needed those people in my life. I needed people to tell me that tomorrow would be different, that yes, this was bad, and I was allowed to be sad and mad and all the things I was feeling. But just because I decided it would be that way didn't mean that God was going to show up that way. That's what this vision is about in Isaiah. It's about God saying to the people of Jerusalem, I know it's been bad. I know it's been bad. And I know you couldn't possibly imagine goodness. But let me show you what the goodness of God can look like. And here's the crazy thing, and something I think we often miss when we see this outside of the context. God is not talking about someday in the future when they all get to heaven. God is actually saying here and now, a new heaven and a new earth. God is saying that this vision that I have is for you at this time, that you can be people of joy right here and right now. How amazing is it when we can remember that we as people of faith are called to be people of joy? You know, I think when we can find that place where we see the joyous vision of God, sometimes we find a way to step into that. Not just see it in the future as work someone else will take care of, but see it as something that might involve us here and now. See it as something that we might be called to do and be, be people of joy, people who believe that God is doing something wonderful, not in the future, but right now. That program that I'm a part of says that we are invited by God to be co-creators, co-creators of what's happening in the world. Isn't that a beautiful image? Sometimes we say God created and God creates and we just sit in a chair. I don't know. But we forget that Scripture invites us along for the ride. We forget that when Isaiah is speaking these words to the people of Jerusalem, what he's saying is, I am inviting you to build these houses and to plant these vineyards and to plan for future generations and to imagine that this can be a place of joy once again. I always get sad in our world when we get stuck and wanting to see what's going wrong. In fact, a few years ago, I quit watching the local news. It's not all bad, but it just was bad for me. I would watch that 5 o'clock to 7 o'clock hour, and it was just a string of bad news about people hurting people in various ways, or things not going right, or people fighting, and I was like, this is really stressing me out. But you know, one thing that the news has done in recent years that I really appreciated, and maybe I'll start turning it on for the last like 15 minutes, is right at the end of the news broadcast on many of the stations, they have these moments where they spotlight something good. Thank goodness, right? 
They talk about good work happening in the community, people caring for one another. And this is actually one of the ways, I don't know that social media is all good or all bad, but this is one of the ways social media is good. It begins to share these stories, right, virally. So we start to see wonderful news about people doing good things. And I remember a year or so ago, right when the country was in a place of great turmoil, there were rallies and protests happening around the world, around the issue of racial injustice, and you saw images on the news of people screaming at one another. I mean, screaming at one another. And it was disheartening because everyone was pulling apart at the seams, and in the midst of this, this story emerged about two little ones, about the size of the little ones that were up here today. Two little boys in preschool who had gone home and asked their parents to put them in matching outfits because they had decided that they were identical twins. Identical twins. They said, we have to be in the same outfit because we're identical twins. Maybe you saw this story. One child was African-American, one child Caucasian, but they just knew that their best friend was their identical twin. And in the midst of these stories of people screaming in each other's faces, we had our children standing there as this little glimmer of hope and light about what reconciliation could look like, what it might look like to treat one another as children of God. And I don't know, for me, that felt like a new vision. It felt like an invitation. Like God was showing us a glimpse of what could be and saying, do you think you could step in where these children are leading? Do you think you could be a part of this process of peace? Now, I'd love to tell you that since that viral video went out, we've all solved it, but we haven't. But God continues to put those visions before us, doesn't he? God continues to set in our midst beautiful children singing songs about how Jesus loves me and how Jesus loves you. And you don't hear those children qualifying that with anything. They just see love. And they remind us that sometimes what you see is what you get. If you sing and believe that Jesus loves me and you, who knows, you might just actually live like Jesus loves me and you. What a beautiful reminder. I told the early service that I love serving in churches with preschools. I've done it on and off throughout my ministry, and the years where we didn't have children in the building made me very sad uh, because it was so quiet, and I'm not that interesting, and kids are fun, and there's nothing better to me, and I know that church members, even if you don't have children in these programs, you know if you're up here during the week, than to have a kid come by and like wave at you like you're a celebrity and be like, Pastor Stacy, Pastor Eric. You're like, me? It makes you feel so special. It's really a wonderful feeling, and they don't have to be your kids. Just the love of a child believing that you are something special, like, wow. And that this community can create a space where children come together to be told that they're special, that they're children of God, that they can love each other, and they can learn to love and grow in relationship with God. That's pretty special. So, you know, when I read passages like Isaiah, and I think, what would it look like What would it look like to see a new heaven and a new earth? What if today that happened right now? What would that look like? I think of things like our preschool and all the years it's been in ministry to all the children in this community, some of which you saw this morning, but some of which we can't see. Seeds that have been planted all over this community. I think about Thanksgiving food drives, families that will be fed, that will be loved, 
by this community, and not even just this community, by local schools that have donated food, by people who have picked up barrels and will sort through expiration dates and sort through food in the coming weeks and put packages together so that families can have meals on the table in a time when they have a need. I think about Backpack Buddies, which kind of has dropped on our doorstep an opportunity to send food home with kids on the weekend who would receive free or reduced lunch so that they never have to worry about what they'll be eating when they're away from school. I think about those and I see a glimpse of God's kingdom because I see the people who have giving to the people who have need. And I see how in our lives that can change from time to time. Sometimes we are the people who can provide, aren't we? Sometimes we are the people who need to receive. Certainly that's the message we see in Scripture, communities of people going through phases of life where they need to be cared for, but then also being called to be people who give care when they come to a place where they're able. I hope you've experienced that in the community of church, or if you haven't, you might try it, because that's one of the beautiful things, right? We all go through seasons of our lives, and some seasons we are out there on the front lines doing, and some seasons we're not. And it doesn't matter what side we find ourselves on, we all have a place in this community. We all have a place in this vision, and there's enough to go around for everyone. What a beautiful vision of what it looks like to be people of God, to be the people the prophet Isaiah speaks of, to see faith as a place where we can decide to choose joy and find joy, where we can every day choose to show up in a way that is looking for what God is already doing in this place and in our community. I hope today as you saw the children, as you see all the people who are worshiping with us, that you're seeing a glimpse of the kingdom of God, that you're understanding what it looks like for God to call us God's children and for us to answer. Because there are a lot of people in the world who are choosing to see things differently. But we have a special opportunity to choose joy, to choose God, to choose love, and to go out in the world and proclaim that message. In just a moment, we are going to sing our final hymn together. And I want you to know that if this is your first time or you have been here for a long time and you've been looking for a community to be a part of, maybe you don't know what that looks like, maybe you don't know what your role is, but you feel like you see a glimpse of God's vision in this place, I want you to know that there's a space for you just as you are at Chambly United Methodist Church and that you are a part of the vision that God is casting for this whole community today, right now, in this place. Thanks be to God.